0: Thank you all for coming out tonight. I hope you all receive a blessing from uh, our service, from our time of prayer tonight. Let's go before the Lord and just pray and ask His blessings. Our Father in heaven, we give you praise and thanks for how good and how gracious you have been to us. Lord, you are a, a God who is faithful, who is loving beyond comprehension. You are a God who has uh, lavished mercy and grace upon us. And Lord, we are thankful for all that you have done for us through Christ that we did not deserve, that we did not earn. And we thank you that we can be called the children of God and that we can be a family of God gathered together tonight as brothers and sisters in the Lord. Father, I pray that as we look to your word tonight, that uh, we would receive instruction, encouragement, uh, edification. Uh, and that you would be honored and glorified through this time. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Tonight we're continuing our study of the book of Ruth, and we're moving into chapter 2 of our study. And uh, just to kind of remind us of the setting uh, where we are before we launch into chapter 2, the first chapter is about uh, leaving Bethlehem and then coming back home. Bethlehem many years later Uh, chapter 1 is a story of loss of loneliness of disappointment but in the end uh, toward the end of chapter 1 we see God's grace on display in providing uh, Ruth for Naomi Uh, Naomi had lost everything and lost everyone but God provided Ruth for her to to be with her, to go with her. And in Ruth chapter 1, 16 and 17, we see one of the greatest uh, declarations of love and loyalty in all of Scripture. And Ruth says to Naomi, I'm going where you're going. doesn't matter where it is. I'm going. I'm going, I'm going to stay with you for all of my life. And so it is a, a really, really a powerful uh, description of Ruth's love and loyalty to Naomi. And in that, is God's grace working in Ruth's heart and saving Ruth, I believe, saving her, regenerating her, making her a child of God by faith, bringing her into the community of Israel, even though a foreigner, and not just a foreigner, but a Moabite, especially when you read in scripture that the Israelites were to not have anything to do with the Moabites. And so Ruth is brought into the family of God And so that's God's grace to Ruth. But then through Ruth, God's grace to Naomi in providing someone to be with her, and to help her and help provide for her. And so we ended last week by looking at how Ruth and Naomi came home to Bethlehem. Uh, It started out with famine, but now God has provided food again in the town of Bethlehem. And Ruth and Naomi are coming home. And when they come through the town gates, the town just breaks out in an uproar. Is this possible that Naomi's back home again? Uh, She had been gone for at least a decade, perhaps longer. And many of those people probably didn't know if they were ever going to see Naomi again. But here she is. She's back and with Ruth alongside of her. And uh, they say, is this Naomi? And she says, no, don't call me that. Because Naomi means... Something like pleasant one. I'm not a pleasant one anymore. I'm bitter. Call me Mara because God's hand has been heavy on me. It's been a bitter road. And so she says, call me Mara. But the interesting thing is, is as the story moves on, she's not referred to as Mara. Anywhere in the rest of the story, she retains the name Naomi. And that's how she's referred to the rest of the way. And it's also a reminder of God's grace that God would not let her stay in that condition of darkness, of loneliness, of feeling like God was against her. Uh, He was going to begin to pull back the curtains to show uh, what he was doing in her life, uh, to encourage her and to bring her back to uh, wanting and desiring that name, Naomi, again, a pleasant one. And so as we move into chapter 2, we see kind of the next scene in the story. And it is um, with uh, Ruth going out to begin to glean in the fields, to bring some food in for, for Naomi and for Ruth. And we learned at the end of chapter one that they arrived in Bethlehem just as that barley harvest was beginning. And that was no accident. That was also a part of God's providential provision for them. And so in chapter two, it says that Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And just to think about a couple of things that verse one is telling us here. One is, again, God's providence on display, isn't it? That that there is this kinsman, there is this relative that God has provided. Even though um, uh, Naomi's husband, Elimelech, is gone, he has long since died, she's lost her sons, yet the connections that she, she still has to her husband's family are going to be God's means of redemption for her. And so even in loss, there's still God's grace at work in that. And so she has this relative. His name is Boaz. We don't know for sure what this name means, but there's a longstanding tradition that suggests that it means something like strength. Um, but there's, we're, we're going to learn more about this man, Boaz. And so he, along with Ruth, are going to become the central characters of this story. And so he is a relative through Naomi's husband. And verse 2 says that Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields... And pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. And Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. Again, the author is emphasizing the fact that Ruth is a foreigner. She's a stranger. She's someone from the outside coming in. Again, a testament to God's grace in welcoming the stranger and a kind of a New Testament foreshadowing of God welcoming Gentiles into the fold of the people of God. And so Ruth is a Moabite, but she is going to be welcomed into the Israelite people. And we also see here Ruth's character, don't we? In that Ruth, already having said, I'm going to be with you forever, I'm expressing my love, my loyalty, my faithfulness to you. Now she's taking a, a proactive Step and taking the initiative to go out and to try to provide for the family. Uh, one of the things that Naomi said to Ruth and Orpah as they were leaving Moab was, "There's no guarantees for you. I, I can't guarantee you that I'll be able to to find a husband for you in Israel. Uh, we're just a bunch of widows. It's going to be. Uh, we're in a very vulnerable position." And so, but Ruth takes it upon herself to not only stay loyal and go with Naomi, but also now that they're there to do what she can to provide for the family in these uncertain circumstances. And you can see a little bit of that uncertainty even in her words to Naomi when she says, let me go out and kind of perhaps maybe someone will show favor to me and I'll be able to glean in their fields. And so she's kind of, casting herself and along with her, Naomi, on the dependence of others, uh, to the good graces of others, and ultimately to God's grace that he would provide for them. And so she goes out, perhaps someone will show me favor and let me glean in their field. And so Naomi says, go ahead, my daughter, and gives her her blessing. So she went out and entered a field and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. And I love the way that the author of Ruth puts this in verse number three. Because uh, as the NIV translates it, as it turned out, uh, one translation I read put it this way, that, that Ruth chanced upon the field of Boaz. It just so happened and, and that's kind of what the Hebrew word means, is uh, what a coincidence, right? She just happened to come across the field of Boaz. Of course, the writer of Ruth means this kind of ironically, doesn't he? That that it's no coincidence at all. It's no chance at all. This is someone writing from the biblical worldview of Proverbs 16 that says, the lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing is of the Lord. So, she chanced upon, or I think the King James says she happed upon, she happened upon the field of Boaz. This is no accident. Uh, This is God's providence at work. And so she came to Boaz's field and she began to work. And this is the man that verse one told us about. He's a relative, which means he should be someone favorably disposed to the situation of Ruth and Naomi. And she just quote unquote, happened to land in his field because God's at work. And so verse four says, Just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. This is an amazing picture for the setting that Ruth 1-1 described this story was a part of. Because Ruth one one said that it so happened in the days of the judges, and it's almost like in this in this historical setting of the judges, you have like this little oasis, this little uh, paradise island of Ruth and this story and her family, and some of the people involved in this story. Um, it is really an an idyllic uh, picture of faithfulness of grace, of generosity, of goodwill. And it's set in the midst, historically, of a really chaotic time and a, a sad time, a, a time of crisis and, and evil and violence. And you see this scene of Boaz arriving and he greets his workers, showing that he has kindness. He, he's, he's kindly disposed towards the common, ordinary Uh, laborers in his field. And he greets them. The Lord, notice the all capital letters, Yahweh. The Lord, not all the other gods that all the other nations around us are worshiping and that we're kind of infiltrating Israel during the whole time of the judges. But the Lord, the true God of Israel, be with you. And notice their response to him. They, They respect and honor him for the man of character that he is And also in so doing, express their faith in the Lord. And the Lord also be with you. And so we see a a picture of a man who cares about his workers and who loves the Lord. In verse five, Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? And so Boaz is not, um, he's not uh, someone who is unconcerned with what goes on in his fields, right? He takes notice. He takes notice of what's going on. He takes notice of his workers. He takes notice of when someone new is in the fields and he sees this young woman and he asks about her. Who is this young woman? Who does she belong to? And the overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. Again, emphasizing her place of origin. She's a foreigner. She's a stranger. She's a Moabite. She came back with Naomi and she said, and this is the overseer telling Boaz what Ruth said to him when she first came to the field. She said to me, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning until now, except for a short rest in the shelter And so we see Ruth following through with what she said she would do to Naomi. I'm going to go, I'm going to go work. And she went and she worked and she found a field and she said, please let me glean. She's not exerting any rights here. She's just a humble request. And interesting that the request that she gives is based on the laws of Moses. Because the laws of Moses... Said that when you harvest the grain, you are to leave some intentionally behind for the foreigner, for the widow, for the orphan. In other words, when you're stripping the the stalks of grain, don't do a good job at it, is essentially what I was saying. Intentionally leave some behind because others will be able to come in behind you and gather some for themselves. And so Ruth is referring to that here when she comes and requests to come along behind the harvesters and and glean what's left. So she has a knowledge of the the law of Moses, probably through Naomi and what Naomi had told her, instructed her. And so she came and notice her industriousness, notice her diligence. The, The overseer says to Boaz, she came here and she's remained here from morning until now. She's worked all day. A hard worker being diligent except for just a little rest in the shelter, which anyone would want and do. And so he's emphasizing her humility, emphasizing her knowledge of the Israelite customs, of coming along behind the harvesters, and also emphasizing her industriousness, that she would work all day. And so Boaz then went to Ruth and said, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field, and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. This is God's grace turning up the, if there's like a dimmer switch on the light of his grace, this is him taking his grace to the next level of shining more light onto her and Naomi's situation of uh, she, in humility, said, I'm just going to go out and maybe someone will show me favor. Well, they did. And it turns out, not just anyone, but a relative. Of course, here's the the thing. Ruth doesn't know that yet. We know that because the narrator of the story told us that in verse 1. Ruth doesn't know that yet. From Ruth's perspective, this is a stranger showing me kindness. And he says, my daughter, it's a term of endearment that he says, I know you're a foreigner. I know you're a stranger. I know you're a Moabite, but you're my daughter. Now I'm, I'm bringing you into the fold and I want you to stay here. Don't go to anybody else's field. Stay here with the women who work for me. And so he's establishing care, extending grace, extending protection and uh, opening up opportunity. For Ruth, and providing her with a certain level of status among uh, those that work in his field, welcoming her to stay there. Verse 9 says, Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you, and whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. So he's establishing lines of protection for her as a stranger. As a widow, as a vulnerable worker in his field, he's saying, I've given instructions and those are going to be carried out. You're going to be taken care of. You're going to be safe here. And so don't go to anyone else's field. You might not be safe in someone else's field, but you will be safe here in my field. And just to add kind of frosting on the cake is if you're thirsty, go get some water that other people have drawn. Not you, a foreigner, a slave girl, go out and get your own water, but take use of the water that others have already gotten and use that. Enjoy that when you're thirsty. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground and she asked him, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? And so she acknowledges really the the remarkable response of Boaz to her. I'm a foreigner. I don't really belong here. Why would you show me this kind of favor? And Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. Kind of, in a way, re-narrating Ruth's own commitment in Ruth one sixteen and 17. Where you go, I'll go. Your people will be my people. And Boaz says, I've heard about that commitment that you made to Naomi. How you left your father and mother, your homeland, and came here to a, an unknown people. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And so in this, Boaz is expressing a, a, an imagery that is found all the way throughout Scripture, especially in the Old Testament. You read in the Old Testament, in like the Pentateuch, and especially in the prophets, sometimes in the Psalms, you see this imagery often of God being like a, a mother hen. If you will, watching over, carrying over his young ones and protecting them. That's the idea here of coming under the wing of the Lord, is is coming under the Lord's protection. But the vehicle, the channel of the Lord's protection is going to be Boaz himself. So I'm the wing, essentially. You've come here to Israel to seek protection and to seek provision. And the Lord is going to use me to be his wing over you and to protect you, provide for you. And he says to her, may God bless you for your commitment, for what you said to Naomi and and also backing that up through your actions and staying with her and now working to help provide for her. May God reward you. For that and all throughout scripture we see God's blessing on those who are faithful and Ruth is receiving the benefits of that here and he, he issues a prayer wish, a blessing on her, may God reward you, may he bless you may you be richly rewarded by the Lord and then here's her response, may I continue to find favor in your eyes my Lord She said, You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. And so again, we see Ruth's humility here. I really don't have any standing at all. I don't even really have the standing of one of your slave girls because I'm from the outside. I'm an outsider coming in. And yet you are bringing me in and doing really above and beyond what Boaz needed to do was expected to do in that situation and then especially with what was going on around in that day in the time of the judges is this is a, a highlight that kind of a, a beam of light focusing on this story in the midst of that troubled time and both Boaz and Ruth are going to be referred to as um, Boaz is going to be referred to as a hayu, a man of honor, a man of valor, in some translations it says, and Ruth is going to be referred to as an eshet hayu, a woman of valor. A virtuous woman is the phrase that is used at the end of Proverbs 31 a virtuous woman who can find and interestingly enough in the Hebrew order of books so if you were to um, go to a Jewish synagogue and their Hebrew Bible and the Bible that they read the way the order in which it is is Ruth isn't found between judges and Samuel Ruth is at the end of the Bible in what's called the writings, and Ruth immediately follows Proverbs. And so Proverbs 31 asks the question, who can find a virtuous woman? And the answer is Ruth. Ruth is the next story in the order of books. And it's so highlighted is that because those are the only two places in the Hebrew Bible, I believe, where that phrase is used. Proverbs 31 and Ruth is referred to as that. And so you have Boaz, a man of honor. You have uh, Ruth, a woman of honor. And the you can see God's graciousness working through both of them in the way that they treat one another but also in the way that they treat those around them. Ruth treating Naomi respectful and honor to her, the way Boaz treats his countrymen and his workers in his field. It is a, a picture of, really Ruth is a picture of what Torah living is supposed to look like. What, what the word of God being lived out in people's lives is supposed to look like in Boaz and Ruth. You see two people who are referred to as people of honor, treating one another with grace, treating one another with faithfulness, and treating those around them with kindness and with grace. But above all that, you have God, who's really the main character of the story, because he is the one who is weaving all of these circumstances together. He's the one bringing these parties together. He is the one making it such that Ruth happened upon the field of Boaz. There are no happenstances in God's world. He's weaving it all together according to his plan. And we'll see this as we move forward, especially in chapter four. But what's amazing to me about the story of Ruth is how God can weave uh, things together in such a way that it works out for the good, of the individual people involved for their story. It works out for the good of Israel, his larger people corporately. And it also works out for the good of all of salvation history and God. So he's able to weave all of that together on an individual level, a national level, and a salvation historical level in weaving all this together according to his plan. And it all works out perfectly because God is all wise. He's all good. And his providential guidance, though at times we can't see how it's working out. Naomi and Ruth aren't quite there yet. The light hasn't fully dawned on them yet how all this is working out. But the narrator is giving us a little a little hints along the way, isn't he? That God is working this together for their good and for the good of his people. And so may we uh, have a response of trust in the Lord's providence and guidance, but also let's have a response of grace and faithfulness and honor like Boaz and Ruth had uh, to the Word of God. And so I hope this is encouraging and helpful to you as we walk through this. And praise be to God that he is always working, weaving together, Our circumstances for our good. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you and praise you for your love, your grace to us. We thank you for what your word reveals to us about your providence, your sovereignty over all things. And Lord, as we read the book of Ruth and read this story, may it remind us of the need to trust in you even when we can't see how all things are going to work out for our good. It's at those times, Father, that we just have to trust in your character, in your goodness, in your grace, and, and then wait to see how all things are going to work out according to your good plan. Father, thank you for all that you do for us as your people. May we be encouraged and strengthened tonight from this time in the Word and from our time of fellowship together. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.